0: The only person I should be caring about, the only opinion I should be caring about is let's go back in time. If a 10 year old version of me were to come and see me now, would she be proud of me? That's how I think about it. And that one of the poems that I made that went most viral was like to the versions of myself that will never get to exist. Because I think about all these different versions of myself. It's not so much about hating them. It's not about hating who you were in the past and hating the mistakes that you made. It's about accepting them and growing from them and accepting that you are a better person today because you're acknowledging those things and and because you're doing the shadow work to become a better person.
1: Welcome back to All Things Con Amor. I am your host, Stephanie Arnick. And we are picking right back up where we left off on the last episode with the wonderful Celia. And I don't even really have words to describe how incredible this episode is. We got really, really deep and talked about ways to build confidence, um, the way being first gen has affected us and our outlook on life, a lot of the things that motivate us and drive us. And I just can't wait for you guys to hear it. I was tearing up as I was going back and editing this episode. And even though it was my second time listening through, obviously the first time I recorded it with her, I'm going to be playing this on one of my walks in the next few weeks because There is so much insight in this episode. This is the type of thing you don't just listen to once. I hope you guys enjoy, and I'm so excited to get right into it. All things con amor is the pursuit of holistic health, wellness, happiness, love, the things that really set our soul on fire. Enjoy the
0: ride. you know, I've only been in two relationships, but both of them, I definitely accepted things that I should not have accepted. And I really should have walked out very, a lot earlier on than whenever the relationship ended. Growing up, I was a very chubby kid. And, you know, when you're low income, a lot of the times, like the only things you can afford are things that will inevitably lead you to gain weight. Like we would get Mm -hmm. a lot of like McDonald's because they had $1 burgers. And that was the only thing we could really afford. I remember Thursdays were happy meal days because happy meals were half price and
1: Latina culture. like We eat rice with everything. Like our diet isn't, and like everything fritalo, like the patacones like it's it's not necessarily good for us you know and like maybe in our countries where like we are outside and working hard like it's okay it balances out but in a sedentary lifestyle it's not sustainable I was I was my nickname was gordita yep yep yeah, it, it's a very like for my <laughs> was... American listeners gorda is is fat in Spanish and then gordita is lovingly like it's like fatty
0: it's supposed to be endearing it's like baby it endearing, or like yeah. Mika but it does get to you because mm-hmm. when you do see yourself as being on the heavier side, you you do wonder if it's supposed to be endearing or if there's another sort of deeper meaning to why somebody's saying that to you. But I grew up very chubby. And there's like pictures from me when I was in middle school, sixth and seventh grade, I was so unbelievably chubby. And like to me, when if if I look back, I'm like that that was the heaviest I've ever been. And I was definitely bullied for it. And, you know, that was also a time where a lot of people were like, oh, like, suddenly gets her closer with we'll try. Like, all that was happening all in unison. And I remember I would wear, like, hand-me-down sweatpants for my brothers and, like, it would have rips in them. And I I could feel that people were judging me because, you know, I couldn't have new shoes. And I remember someone pointed that out to me in middle school, like, why do you wear the same shoes every day? It's like, because we can't afford <laughs> to have new shoes. Do, for- you remember, do
1: you remember the patches they would put underneath? And you could, like, see that it was no. patched. I I went to private school, but it was like all of my uniforms I wore were hand-me-down uniforms. And so we would like my mom would patch or like at least my grandma was a really good sewer. But like when my grandma wasn't in because my grandma stays over summers only. So when she wasn't mm-hmm. around there were like they were like these little squares and they were like fabric and they were sticky on one side and you would literally just like stick it to the hole and patch it. And like, you, mm-hmm. you could tell my uniforms were so worn out compared to everyone else's. And like, same thing. I grew up, like all of our clothes were like from garage sales or the thrift store. And like, that was what my mom could give us. And growing up, I never thought anything of it. I think because I got really lucky in that. I don't know if I don't remember the kids being mean or if they weren't mean, but I was really spared from comments about it. But when I got to high school, that's when I, I went to a very privileged high school. I remember girls like crying about not getting a new pair of Uggs for Christmas or the newest iPhone. Oh my and like, God,
0: the
1: I, I had, I had one pair of Uggs for like years and it was, I, it was, they were such a big
0: deal to me. I think I had like knockoff Uggs that I found at yeah. a thrift store, but I remember telling my mom, like, I need to have these shoes. Like everybody has them. And yeah. she's like, why? Like now I'm like, I don't, well, now I'm vegan. So I'm like, Uggs are like lined with first. I'm like, I don't want to buy Uggs, man. But <laughs> that, that also before, do you have anything else to say? I, Cause I might like steer us off course a little bit.
1: No, I just, I think for my listeners that know me in real life, I don't think any of them know this about me at all. Like I've never really spoken about it. I was in a sorority in college, like people who are in sororities. Yeah. And, and like, it looks all the pictures, like the lifestyle, it looks extremely privileged. Like people would tell me like, you're you look so bougie on Instagram, and you're not like this in person. Like you're so down to earth, and it always intrigues me that I think people perceive me as such a different version of myself than who I actually am. Because in real life, I'm just like, well, yeah, I think this looks good together, and it makes me feel confident. But it it doesn't mean that like it's the end of the world to me or it matters to me, you know?
0: Yeah, and I think sororities in of, in and of themselves are a very privileged group to be able to be in and oh, they're yeah. also very expensive the dues are so people, expensive yeah I paid people, all my dues yeah my dues a lot of people expensive. don't realize that you have to pay for sororities and mm-hmm. you know I was in a sorority at Yale and I was in one of like the more affordable sororities and I was paying my dues my senior year and I was I had to divide them into a payment plan where I was paying like maybe like 60 70 a month because I couldn't afford them all in one go but I I had a job and I was I told my parents, hey, like. I know that this is an extra expense. I want to pay for it myself because I know it's like not a necessary expense. Like, can you help me out with plane tickets or textbooks that I need to buy? And it's expense. It is a privilege. It yeah. 100% is. And
1: I didn't even have the privilege of telling my parents like, hey, like I'll cover this myself. It was like, if you want to do this, you will cover this yourself. There was yeah. no, like, yeah. no like, that oh, was, we'll try that was to pretty help. much. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was like, if I wanted to be in this sorority, like I had to pay for it myself and I worked three jobs. Like my GPA was not that great
0: because I worked so much in college. Like say, I spent all of my free time say, working different jobs. Yeah. I, I was working like my entire senior year and I was working grading math PSETs for one of the Yale math classes. And it's kind of funny because you kind of have, had to like keep it a secret when you were doing it because it's an anonymous grading. So I couldn't really tell anybody except like the people that were around me. But yeah, I was taking all these classes and everything. I was also in a very interesting living situation because I was off campus living with three other people, but I was the only person enrolled. Everybody else was taking gap years. So I was the Uh... only person studying, taking classes. And that was horrible for me and my mental health because I couldn't study with anybody. If I did, I would have to go to campus. Mm -hmm. I was working in a lab for my thesis and I had to commute like an hour walking to get to my lab because I was so mm-hmm. far from campus. Um, but the apartment was very nice. So I, I don't have any complaints about that. And there was a shuttle that would take me. They couldn't relate to it because I w- I was taking like these really hard classes my senior year and you know, they would be done with their jobs at 5 PM. They'd be able to hang out. They'd be able to like do stuff on the weekends. And I had to work yeah. <laughs> like the weekend for me was being able to work to get money so I could afford groceries. And the weekdays were when I was doing my homework and studying. So mm-hmm. I just had no free time. And I, I, I feel like Sometimes I thought they resented me a little for it because they'd be like, why don't you want to hang out with us? But I just couldn't. I literally just had no emotional capacity. And I'm the type of person where if I ask you to hang out, I, I will tell you like, it's completely acceptable for you to tell me, hey, I just want to lay in my bed. I don't feel like talking to anybody. Can we hang out another time? And I'll be like, yeah, of course. Like and no I, is a full sentence. Yeah. That and took I, me
1: so long to learn. Like no does not need to be followed up by an explanation.
0: Yeah. And I, I think a lot of people will be like, but you, you're you free. Like, why don't you want to hang out? And it's like, I literally don't have the emotional capacity to be able to carry a full conversation with you right now. And that was one of the hardest things that I had to put up with. Cause my anxiety got so incredibly bad my senior year for a variety of reasons. Like I was dealing with this breakup. I had essentially been dumped over email. So my confidence very low, you know, I had dealt with the loss of my family. I was dealing with that. COVID was raging. I, I, honestly always had anxiety that I was going to get COVID and that I was going to miss classes I thought I was going to fail my classes like all these things that were happening in my brain and it just felt like my brain was never off and I think if you're a person that deals with anxiety you know exactly what I'm talking about yeah like you want the
1: thoughts to stop so badly and they just won't yeah and you're like I don't have time to be dealing with these thoughts like I have way too much to get done and then that adds to the thoughts
0: Yeah, and it's always like the worst case scenario thoughts. Like it's not like oh, like what if I get a B in this class? Like what if I fail? Like do you know what it was like? (laughs) I'm. I promise you, I'm gonna be here for you when
1: you go through it in medical school. But it's not. It's it is not for the light of heart because I'm like sitting there trying to make it through my classes. Like in my head, also, I'm like I'm gonna fail. And then in my head, I'm like, okay, if I fail, I have to retake the year. That's yeah, fifty six thousand dollars worth of tuition, not counting all of the costs of living. That's yeah. also another year of my life backwards. That's also, if I do decide I can't do medical school anymore and I drop out, what career am I going to find that's going to cover this debt that I've already put myself in? And yeah. the disappointment of everyone that knows that I'm, oh, I got into medical
0: school and suddenly I can't handle it. Like there there was no going back. My anxiety and th- those all those fears that I was having was one of the biggest reasons I decided to take my gap year. Like it wasn't necessarily to travel. It wasn't necessarily to do like, like, yeah, that was part of it, of like being able to do poetry and do creative stuff and get into social media. But I honestly felt like my brain was going to explode. Like my anxiety was so bad. Like I didn't even recognize myself anymore because I Absolutely. just- I didn't know who I was. I didn't know who my personality was outside of like studying and wanting to get great, good grades. And then also having fears that I wouldn't get those good grades. And it mm-hmm. just consumed me. It became all consuming of like, I just need to graduate. I just need to do well. And, you know, I had started studying for the MCAT probably the summer before my junior year. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm going to take the MCAT and it's, I'm going to go straight through blah, blah, blah. And then for some reason- I wasn't organized enough to go straight through.
1: Like I did not have an option to not take a gap year because I switched from pre-dental to pre-med. So then I had to rearrange everything. And then by then I wasn't, like I hadn't taken the MCAT early enough to apply during my senior year. So I had no option but to take a gap year. But the more I think about it, the more I absolutely would have burnt out if I tried to make it straight through. Oh yeah, I have no no chance. I I, I, I don't understand people that go straight through. I don't think anyone in my class went straight through. I'm the baby of my class. All of my friends are like 27, 28. One of them's having their 30th birthday party this weekend. Like I am literally <laughs> the child of my friend group. People don't realize how young I am until they're like, oh, it's my 27th birthday. And I'm like, haha, I'm
0: 24. Like oh my, God. my friends don't know that I'm the child. Yeah. I, and I think a lot of people don't realize that, that so many people take gap years. And yeah, like, but for me, like one of the questions was like, did I feel left out during my gap year? Yes. Yeah. But I say that like right after graduation, I went into this pit of despair where I was like, "I need to get a job. I'm going to go on LinkedIn." Worst decision. No,
1: ever is everyone is posting LinkedIn. their accomplishments. Everyone yep. is posting their job offers. I think. Yep. I think the hardest part about medicine and taking a gap year is that like they make you feel like you're pausing your life.
0: It's it like really they, they make you feel like you're in this
1: limbo and as if like everyone else is continuing on with their lives and you're yeah. just waiting to get into whatever graduate school you're applying to. And it's yeah. also hard because like, you, no one's gonna take you on for like a full paying salary wage job when they know you're only gonna be there for a year. So the fellowship I did, like it was paid thankfully because there's a lot of unpaid like internships and research yeah, opportunities. Yeah, wait, and, let's, like,
0: let's just pause for a second And I just want to say, don't take unpaid internships if you are low-income first generate. It's a scam. Like, they're literally going to work you so hard, and you deserve that money. Like, please don't do unpaid. Like, volunteering is different. If you want to volunteer, that's different. But do not do unpaid internships. And that's one of the, like, I've fallen into that trap so many times, and they're just using you. They're literally, because they know that they can. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the worst part about it is that I didn't know enough people to know
1: that I could get paid for something that would add to my resume. Like, I wish I had known that I could have gotten paid to work in a lab and gotten the research experience and money simultaneously. Instead, I was out here waitressing tables for, I mean, I made good money waitressing tables, but (laughs) waitressing is hard work. If if you are listening to this, I hope you are never mean to a waiter or waitress again in your life because it's not easy to have five tables at once and you're trying to remember who asked for ketchup. And then you realize 10 minutes later that they asked you for ketchup and you did not bring it out. And yeah. it's, it's very stressful to juggle all of that in your head at once. And so that's something I wish I had known earlier on, but my fellowship during my gap year, I made, I think $11 an hour with a, with a biology degree. Like that's nothing, that's yeah. nothing. It's, it's very
0: hard. Like I, I have a bachelor's of science in it's molecular cell. Wait, Um, molecular cellular and developmental biology and I also have like the Yale equivalent of a minor and you know if anybody sees that they're like you have a biology degree from Yale like that's super impressive but it's still hard to get a job and like granted I haven't been applying as probably ferociously as I I should because I am trying to do social media um maybe full-time um but I also do have dreams of like potentially publishing a poetry book like I don't know like um But don't you dare say potentially. (laughs) I expect to see that book
1: within the year. My God, I get so many DMs. It's like, when are you publishing? Like, I will buy what you,
0: I'm like, I don't know. You would sell out. You could could sign a really good deal. Advice on taking a gap year. Just find something that will keep you productive. Find something that, you know, brings you passion. Don't get sucked in into like doing what everybody else is doing. And also being able to take a gap year, also another privilege. Like I'm able to live with my parents for free right now. And, you know, like I I am working, but I'm definitely not working- to get enough money to be able to pay rent and stuff. So it it is a privilege to take a gap year. And, you know, like some people won't be able to do it, but if you can do it and you're able to, if you can rest, do do it.
1: You have, you have the rest of your life to work. Like you really, like, I think while you're in your early twenties, I mean, granted we're in a pandemic right now, it's hard to travel, but I wish I had taken a second year to travel or like, I wish I had lined things up better to just like see more of the world and do more of the things I love before I was sucked into this grind of constantly studying.
0: Yeah. And I I think it's important to realize that it's never selfish to put yourself first and to put your mental health first. And, you know, if you're like us and you want to go into healthcare and you want to be a doctor, like it will make you a better physician if you put yourself first earlier on. And if you decide to wait a few years, you're going to be more mature when you go in and you will be a better physician. Like not to say that young people can't be good physicians, but you yourself will be a better physician if you make the best decision for yourself earlier on. And I I think that goes unsaid so often.
1: Yeah. You have that life experience. And statistically the average age of a first year medical student is 25 years old. Like genuinely medical schools prefer to see older applicants because they know they have that maturity and life experience. So I think we covered the gap year really, really, um, thoroughly. Yeah. And I know we talked about how, a lot of your upbringing and like a lot of your experience absolutely wrecked your confidence. And we did go through the like fake it till you make it. But um, what other tips do you think you have to really help build people's confidence? How you finally decided you were tired of being afraid to be yourself? This is something that Celia and I talk about off air too, like a lot. I'm like, oh my gosh, is it embarrassing that I posted this? Is it annoying? And she's like, who cares? People post stupid things.
0: No, I, I think you know, like I said, senior year of college absolutely wrecked me, had no idea who I was. And as soon as I graduated, and I came back home to California, I I was kind of forced to go back into my childhood room. And I did a lot of reflecting of like, okay, I'm not the same person I was in high school. I don't want to be the same person I was in college. Who am I then? Like, I have no idea who I am. And, you know, I had just gotten out of like a serious relationship. And I I knew that I had accepted a lot of red flags. And I was like, why did I do this to myself? Why did I accept so much less than I knew that I deserved, so much less than I wanted? And, you know, I played a part in that too. Like sometimes I wasn't good at communicating, blah, blah, blah. But sometimes people are just shitty to you and you need to be able to accept that you did not deserve that. And and I think that's such a big part of like being able to grow your confidence is just accepting that you deserve better than you've, you've allowed yourself to have. And so I come back, I'm in my childhood room. I decided like, changed pretty much everything about it. it, like as much as I can. And I wanted to make it feel like I was growing in this room and not being stagnant. So I was like, I'm going to get a bunch of plants. And I went and I bought plants and I was like, I'm going to grow with these plants. And that's one of the biggest tips I can have. If you're like feeling like you're not growing, if you're feeling like very stagnant in your life, get a plant, become a plant mom, become a plant dad, become a, a plant parent. Um, so I went and I, I got all these plants and I was like, you know what? I don't want the same twin bed I've had since I was like, God knows how old. Um, and I somehow manifested a bed. I like got a free bed, a free like full bed um, because like somebody was giving it away and they were giving it away. And I I manifested a, a, a bed frame, I manifested a mattress. And then I was like, oh, you know, I should buy some nice like green sheets to go with my bed because I'm really into green now for some reason. And I had seen someone with sage green sheets. And then my mom out of nowhere is like, yo, I have these old sheets that I don't want. And she hands them to me, sage green. I'm like, what? What Oh, my God. What the heck? No, I love
1: that. It's, It's so much easier for things to come to you when you get clear on what it is that you want.
0: Oh, yes. And as soon Mm -hmm. as you're raising that frequency, like, I know a lot of people don't believe in manifestation, but call it like visualization or whatever you want. But as soon as you get clear on the things that you want, as soon as you start to raise your energy, because I was like very badly depressed before, like, I haven't been diagnosed, but I, like, I felt it where I was just like, I'm not doing well. And I was like, I don't want to be this sad like I know myself I know that I'm a very bubbly person I know that I'm a very annoying person like I'm loud and I love to be loud like I play music loud I sing loud even if I can't sing like I'm a great storyteller I'm great at conversation I'm a very much extroverted person but I consider myself more of an ambivert because sometimes I just want to be with a good book but I I think I'm like an extroverted introvert I think you would relate to that word too yeah yeah yeah. I, I think so but I had felt myself stuff myself into a box in past relationships, in past friendships, because I had seen how they treated me. Like I would come into a car with some of my friends, absolutely like elated. Is that the right word? Elated, excited? Elated is a good word. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely elated from like an experience I've had. Like say I just hung out with someone or like just finished a good date. I'd be like super excited. And then they'd be like, can you be quiet? Like you're really yelling. And I would just feel myself (gasps) like shrink. Yeah. Yeah. And so that happened so often that I just felt like I was like a carcass of my body. Like I just didn't feel like myself anymore. And I was like, bro, fuck this. Like, I don't want to hang out with anybody that doesn't want to hang out with my loud chaotic self. Like I am like chaotic good at its maximum, I would say. Yeah. And And they don't deserve
1: to get that version of you. Like they don't deserve to have your energy around them. If it's not something that they like wholeheartedly like enjoy and love. Yeah. And, and that connects
0: to so much because like also growing up, like I knew that my hair wasn't straight and I always wanted it to be straight because I felt like it was too crazy. It was oh, like my too God. wavy, too kinky. Like it just looked too weird. And, you know, I would straighten my hair so much so that it would like get burned and I would have Me very, too. very frizzy hair. Mm-hmm. And you know, once I stopped to think about like how all these things connected, I was like, I am s- trying to be someone that I'm not like. This life is trying to change me to be this muted version of myself. When I I was born to be loud, and I like always say that whenever someone's like you're too loud, I was like I was like we're born screaming. Like I was born to be loud. Oh, I love that quote. Yeah, I like always (laughs) say that. But you know, and it's it's also like especially for Latinas, we're always told like oh like you should be quiet. Like you should be quiet. Like yes. Even I now said- I'll catch
1: myself like getting self conscious about how loudly like I play my music and I love like blasting music and singing whenever I'm really doing anything other than studying <laughs> literally me. And I, I get nervous. I'm like, Oh my God, my neighbors are going to think I'm annoying. And it's, and then I remember like, I felt that same way when I had roommates and I was like, Oh my God, my roommates are going to get bothered by it. Yeah. And yeah. I'm, I'm so tired of feeling that way. Like I pay a lot of money to live alone. I deserve to enjoy my own
0: space. Yeah. Yeah. And, and be myself. The thing that I also thought about was if I, let's say if, if I have a, let's say I had a future daughter later on in my life if that future daughter was to come back and meet the version of me that I am today, would she like me? Would she be proud of me? Would she be inspired by me? And like, I write so many poems about all this because I think about this a lot. And I was like, I am not being my most authentic self. So how could I in the future potentially tell a child to be her most authentic version of herself if she were to come back and see that I'm lying to myself? you know? And so I thought about that and I was like, I need to stop giving a shit what all these other people say about me. I need to stop caring. Cause the only person I should be caring about, the only opinion I should be caring about is let's go back in time. If a 10 year old version of me were to come and see me now, would she be proud of me? Yeah. Like the her opinion is opinion the only that matters p- is yeah. yours. Yeah. And you know, that's how I think about it. And that one of the poems that I made that went most viral was like, to the versions of myself that will never get to exist. Because I think about all these different versions of myself and it's not so much about hating them. It's not about hating who you were in the past and hating the mistakes that you made. It's about accepting them and growing Mm -hmm. from them and accepting that you are a better person today because you're acknowledging those things. And and because you're doing, I think they call it like shadow work. You're doing the shadow work to become a better person. And it goes, like, we don't talk about it enough as Latinas, as like first gen Children of, you know, we are breaking generational curses and yeah. whether we like it or not, like we didn't choose to, but it is our responsibility to acknowledge so many bad things that have happened in the past and how we're going to change them for future generations and for our, our children because they're going to have completely different experiences from us. Because mm-hmm. my kids now are going to have a mom that went to an Ivy League. Yeah. You know, like that's insane. Like, they're going to have mothers
1: that are physicians. Like, I I didn't I didn't know any doctor I didn't have connections I I didn't know who to ask to shadow I didn't know how it worked to apply to medical school I didn't know how medical school worked I didn't know what a residency was I I had to Google all of these exactly. things I had to ask strangers and. I, that, you know, the craziest thing about you telling this story right now on this podcast and how full circle this is, is the fact that that was how I found you. That video was the first really? video years that I watched. Yeah. And I remember liking it and I commented on, I think my comment on it has like 300 something likes. Like I still get notifications that people liked my comment on your video. Oh my God. I know. It, it's, it's so crazy to think about because I remember so vividly when I got the notification that you had followed me and I clicked on your profile and I was like, oh my God, this girl looks familiar. And then I realized, oh my God, I've seen her TikToks and I love the things she posts. Oh my and God, she you're so decided sweet. that she wanted to follow me. That was like a moment where I was like, I'm doing something right. Like you found one of my like pre-med TikTok things, and that's why you followed yeah. me. And, and then that's how
0: that's how we became friends and that's how we started talking. Yeah, you are doing something right. I, I think what you're doing is incredibly important. Cause like I said, we didn't grow up with role models that look like us that have no. the same experiences as us. Like you can empathize with me about everything I'm saying because you've experienced it to some extent. And I, I think yeah. that's also why so many people are connecting with my poetry because they've also experienced it to a certain extent. And, you know, that's why I made that, that poem, that spoken word about being first gen and, you know, have being surrounded by all these people and still feeling so incredibly alone. And yeah. it's an experience that a lot of people don't have because say you're premed, pre-med family but here, yeah. but you're, you're, say you're a pre-med, but your parents are both doctors. You have no questions on what to do because they're guiding you. But mm-hmm. if you come in, you know, your parents are both immigrants. And I'm not saying that that makes like the physician parents any better than my parents. My parents are mm-hmm. great. I love my mm-hmm. parents and they've worked so incredibly hard to get to where they are, but they've also had to give up so much to allow yeah. me to get to where I am. And I, can't forget that. I will never be able to forget that. And that carries like so much weight to it too because I I know that I I can't stop. Like some people might be like, "Oh, I'll just work in my family business." I can't do that right now. Like mm-hmm. I've made the decision that I will become a physician and I feel like there's there's no getting out of that and I think a lot of people don't understand that and it's not about like, "Oh, you're doing it for your parents." Like it's not about that. <laughs> right. It's it's so much deeper than that and it's it's about honoring their choices and also now being an adult respecting how much they had to go through Mm -hmm. to allow me to get to where I am like this it wasn't an easy life for me but it was a much harder life for them Mm -hmm. and I think it's important to realize that and you know there's so much so much associated with that and you know I I think that's why a lot of children of immigrants have a lot of like mental health issues and like anxiety and depression because it's you deal with that every day (laughs) it's hard and we carry
1: I, I truly believe this, like we carry the trauma that our parents went through in moving here because I mean, studies show, you know, what epigenetics are, you know, how, like when a mother is pregnant and she goes through something traumatic while she's pregnant, that literally changes the genes of the baby. Like, yeah. Moving is a trauma, uprooting your entire life and going to a new country where you don't know anyone, where you don't know the language. Have yeah. have you ever traveled to a country where you didn't know the language? It is no. so incredibly painful and uncomfortable to feel like such a foreigner in a place you've decided to now call home. And like you said, it's not for our parents, it's it's because of them. It's like yeah, How exactly. could I expect anything less than the best from myself when my parents did everything they could to give me every opportunity possible you know and there's there's a saying in spanish like "se saca el pan de la boca a ti like that is my mother yeah. like my mother could have a piece of bread and she would be about to take a bite and if i tell her i'm hungry she will immediately pass it to me yeah and for me to be anything less than like the best version of myself and to live up to every opportunity that she has presented me with would be disrespectful. Yeah, it really would be like for me to decide one day, like, I just want to be lazy. I just, I want to take the easier path because she took the hardest path imaginable to make sure that my path was even an option.
0: Yeah, ex- exactly. Exactly. And so it's crazy to think that now, like our kids are going to have such a different ex- like it freaks me out, yeah. honestly. It really does. I struggle
1: with it so much because I'm like, how am I going to raise them to feel so safe and secure and have every opportunity in the world without
0: spoiling them and ruining them? Yeah. That's my biggest fear of like, yeah, I don't want entitled children because you see exactly. Like, especially when you get to go to college, when you get to go to med school, like going to an Ivy league, There's so many entitled people that have no idea how hard it is. Like there's people I know, like Yale costs like 70,000 a year or something, maybe even a semester. I really don't know. I didn't even tell you this. I didn't apply to a single
1: Ivy league because I knew I couldn't afford it. And I didn't even think that like, I would have enough financial aid to be able to afford it. Like I knew I was going to university of Maryland because of the cost of attendance. And because I knew
0: I would get scholarships to cover that tuition. But that's what I'm saying. So many people are smart enough to attend these schools and just can't afford it. Like, that's why I hate it when people bash on community colleges. Like, you must be dumb if you go to community college. That's so wrong. That is so incredibly wrong. And honestly, I think you might even be smarter if you go to community college because it's way cheaper. You save so much. It's way cheaper. Oh, It just... You know, a lot of the times when I think of my journey, like there's a lot of people that'll be like, I'm so proud of you. Sometimes I feel like, yes, I did work really hard, but I know that I got really lucky with my financial aid. Like mm-hmm. I would not have been able to go without my financial aid. I got oh, me really too. lucky that yeah. I was able to leave my house, that I didn't have to work to help my household out. There's so many people that aren't able to go to school because they need to work to help maintain. There's people that need to work to, they're like, there's kids that are pretty much the parental figure in their households that need to be able to work to help their siblings out. And it enrages me when people are like, oh, you must not be smart if you like didn't go to this school, blah, blah, blah. It's like, it has nothing. Like you're such an ignorant person if you think that. And you know, if you're listening to this and you've thought that, please never think that again. Like I'm just saying (laughs) now, like change your mind. It's okay to change your mind. Yeah. It's okay to change your mind because some people just don't know. Like if you've never had to see, they don't even They don't put themselves in that type of situation.
1: I remember when I saw it really vividly was like as much as I absolutely loved my sorority, I knew so many girls that didn't understand the value of money like they didn't understand. Like I remember everything every time I would buy something and still to this day it kind of sits with me like some things you never really fully like grow out of. Every time I looked at the price of something, I thought about it in terms of how many hours of work that would take me to buy. And this was when I I worked minimum wage, $8 an hour. So like when my friends would be like, oh, you want to go to Chipotle with us? I was like, that's not worth an hour of my life. Like it's, it's too much. And it's so funny because that thought sat with me for so many years that like last year i remember i would crave something like chipotle or kava and i would be like oh i can't buy that for myself it's too expensive but then now that i live in new york i would also go and spend like seven dollars on a latte and so oh i would God. be like so i could spend seven dollars <laughs> on a latte but i still have to like let go of that thought that like i can't afford like a meal
0: out you know yeah i i mean whenever i see something that's like above 20 dollars, i think i wince i think i actually like feel some sort of pain because <laughs> You just grow the trauma we have to break through. And that's the, those are the things we have to heal. Yeah. And like, there's no way to explain this to someone that doesn't understand it. And I I think for so long, I was friends with people that were so different than me, which it's important to have people that are different than you. And it's important to be able to, you know, see other people's viewpoints. But if you're not hanging out with people that understand the most integral parts of yourself, you're going to feel lost. You're going to feel so feel so alone. Yeah, because you can't exactly like, tell some people in your family these things because they might not necessarily know that perspective because they're seeing it from an entirely different point of view right or you don't want to make them feel bad like the last thing you want to do is make them feel bad or make them feel
1: like you didn't have enough like I know my mom's gonna listen or like you don't appreciate it
0: yeah I I hope my mother
1: knows that like she gave me the most full beautiful wonderful childhood she possibly could have I had a great childhood I never felt like I had lack even though she was the one that faced the lack in our household, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, they give us everything. They truly yeah. give us. Like, if I sit down and think about it, I like tear up because they truly gave up their lives for us. And yeah. you know, like someone could argue, somebody ignorant would argue was like, "Oh, well, you didn't ask them to do that." It's like it doesn't matter. That's it not really the point. Doesn't matter. That's not. Yeah, like people come to this country searching for a better life. And it does happen. We were able to go to college because of the sacrifices. They, that's all they wanted, you know? Like yeah. I interviewed my dad for a school project once. And, you know, I asked him like what his biggest dream was because he had started going to med school in Mexico. And then because of a lot of really unfortunate life circumstances, he couldn't finish. And I was like, do you regret it? Like, do you regret leaving? Do you regret not finishing? He's like, no, like, because my biggest award in life has been able to be your dad. And oh. I, I was like, Oh my God, like that, it it brought me to tears because I was like, their biggest reward, their biggest goal in life was just to be good parents for us. And it's, it's because cra- now we, because of that, we're able to have like these crazy career goals of like, we're going to be yeah. physicians and we're going to be these like really like chingona women. But <laughs> for them, like that that wasn't it at all. It wasn't about like, I'm going to have this great career. It's like, I'm going to be the best parent that I can be with what I have and with mm-hmm. what I know because obviously like we don't even like don't even get a start on the generational trauma that our parents must have because that oh is, yeah like, that goes far back but that like once he said that I was like that's that completely changed my viewpoint and everything because and that also made me think of like okay I don't want to be this insecure person because one day I'm going to be that person to my kids and I'm going to mm-hmm. be like and <laughs> this is kind of sidetracked but an example that I think about is you know when I was younger and I saw my parents doing all these things I was like damn my parents are superheroes like they're crazy like they do all these things like my dad would go to work at like five in the morning and he'd work until like 6 p.m and he'd come back and I was like that's crazy like my parents are working so hard and you know now that I'm working I'm like you realize what a crazy sacrifice that was and you realize yeah. how because when you're little you you're like ah like se fue, like I ay, ay ay viene papa like oh. and then It isn't until you're older that you realize just how hard it is to be Mm -hmm. doing all these things because you don't understand the weight of it. And, you know, it's different. Like maybe we're studying for 12 hours a day where as they were driving semi trucks or like Mm -hmm. other things for that long. But and even even now, like it never goes away. My mother works
1: two jobs. My mother works a full time 40 hours a week job and does as much real estate as she can. Any income she has, she immediately is like, how can I help you and your brother with it? like e- everything they do is for us and I, I it's so crazy to me like how selfless it is and it makes me kind of scared to be a parent because I'm like how oh, will yeah. I ever <laughs> compare how how yeah. will I ever be an
0: ounce of the woman my mother is you know yeah e- exactly I mean it's like there, there is no comparison honestly yeah. like it, it's and I'm not just saying that like to you specifically I just mean like for us in our experience like I'm not fleeing the country to save my kids and to like give them a better life. Yeah. I, am not going to have that experience and it's, it's going to be insane, but you know, I think back and I'm like, how can I be the best woman I am now? So I can be the best mother, the best partner, you know, be, because they're great people because they decided to be great people through their experiences and through the choices they made. And, you know, sometimes they didn't choose to make those, like sometimes they were forced to make those choices but, you know, I've, I've never had my parents be like, oh, you need to do well because we did this for you. It's it's always like, we right. want you to It was to do never well. held up against us. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think back and it's like, we've kind of let the conversation get away from us about like confidence, but that's like, I stopped thinking about what everybody else had to say. And I'm like, who do I care about? Who am I trying to impress here? It definitely isn't some random person that follows me on Instagram that I haven't talked to in 10 years. Like, I don't give a crap about, like, I'm sorry, but- if they're going to be like, you're being annoying for posting your poetry, blah, blah, blah. I don't care. Because what if what if one person sees a poem that I made about being first gen and they're like, you have no idea what this did for me. You have no idea how much this has helped me. Like yeah. that means more because I felt alone so many years just because I wouldn't talk about my experiences. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have people that DM me and they're like, this poem changed the way that I view things. Like this poem is like helping me to study. This poem is whatever, whatever that matters more to me than whatever anybody else has to insult me with, mm-hmm. like legitimately. And also let's let's just look at it more superficially. Some of the things that people from like your high school, your college are posting on their stories are kind of dumb. Like they really yeah. have no meaning to it. And it's like, why do you think that you shouldn't post stuff if other people are doing like dumber stuff than you? Like, I'm serious. Like, if you're like, my stuff isn't worth showing to the public, it isn't like good enough to be shown. I'm telling you it is because people post the dumbest stuff on social media and it's Mm -hmm. like, it really doesn't matter. Like you can either make the choice now or you can wish you made the choice 10 years from now. Like I'm telling you, like social media can be so powerful and It can help you find a community. It can help, like, it's not going to make you a more confident person. I will say that it's really hard. You get a lot of hate comments. You have to have a very tough skin sometimes because people will try, like ignorant people will come at you for the stupidest things. And we were talking about- I'm scared of the
1: hate comments. Like, I really think sometimes my subconscious blocks my stuff from going viral because it's so scared of how mean the comments could potentially be. And it's so scared
0: of like having to face those words. You just, you can't be afraid. Honestly, Mm -hmm. There, you have to accept that there will always be hate. There will always be people that are like kind of rooting for your demise, but you also have to understand that they don't know you. They have no idea who you are. Like I posted my first gen poem and I was talking about all these experiences. Someone was like, we don't want to see you cry online. Like, why are you posting this? Somebody was like, oh, like you're privileged because like you have a lot of money. You can go to these schools like- you have no idea what I've been through. You have no idea who I am. Mm-hmm. You have no idea how hard I've worked and how long it's taken me to be able to post something like this. Yeah. And so you just got to separate it completely. You should even separate the good comments, honestly. If someone's like, you're so beautiful, you're great, you're great. You got to separate that because they don't know you. <laughs> like, right. I'm sorry, but they don't know you. And you, you have to have that for yourself of being like, I know who I am. I know that I'm a good person and sometimes you feel like a bad person, but you got to understand bad people don't feel bad about things. Like, yeah, we feel guilty because we're good people and it takes a really, really, really long time to get there. Like I'm telling you, I was bullied my whole life. I was insecure my whole life. Like I've been in some really shitty relationships because I was an insecure person that thought I deserved shitty situations. And it isn't until you get out of that mindset and you're like, I deserve so much more than it. Like I deserve to be loved. And that's why I post so much stuff on like my social media about like, you do deserve a love that feels like home. You do deserve this like really cute situation of like a nice relationship and a a romance. You deserve to be like, you know, wine and dine and (laughs) all that stuff. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of people just lose sight of that because we just, we accept the love we think we deserve. Like they said, Mm -hmm. the person being a wallflower is, for so long you just believe that you deserve less than you do and you know it 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 is a a big like fake it till you make it situation of like you do have to fake it because sometimes like you need to show up for yourself you need to show up for yourself every day because nobody else will show up for you that's what I've learned that's the biggest thing I've learned is if you don't show up for yourself you can't expect anybody else to
1: I think that was the biggest lesson my mom taught me. She taught me from a really young age. Like my mother was never the type to come in after me and clean my room and fix it because she would tell me like, this is your room. If you want to live messy, like a pig, That's what you have to live with. You know, like I'm not going to be around forever. So you need to learn how to take care of yourself. You need to learn how to put yourself in situations that like are where you want to be. I never forgot. The reason I got such good grades when I was a little girl was because she told me one time I was like, mom, like, you don't care if I do badly in school. And she was like, no, it's not my name. It's yours. Your teachers are going to think you're dumb. Not me. You're the one getting those grades. And I was so terrified. (laughs) Of my teachers thinking I was dumb (laughs) that I got straight A's in middle school because of it. Like that really stayed with me. Your name is what's on your actions and the way you show up for other people. And it really does start with a conscious decision. Like you have to decide you want better for yourself. You have to decide to expect better from the people around you. And if they're not giving you better and you're communicating it,
0: then like, goodbye, there's 7 million, billion people in the world. Literally. And I, I think there's so many, like a lot of people will be like, Oh, like your standards are too high. Your expectations are too high. I honestly think that if someone really wants to be with you and I'm just talking about like, not even just relationships, but like friendships too. If yeah. somebody honestly wants to be in your life and you set a boundary and you're like, Hey, this is what I expect from this. And I'm not saying like, you need to sit them down and be like, Hey, this and this and this and this, but obviously through your actions and obviously good communication, you know, you can be like, Hey, you did this thing. I didn't like that. You did this. Can we do this instead? And somebody that honestly wants to stay in your life forever will change. They will get yeah. better. And I, I'm not saying like, you know, try to change them as people. You should never do that. And if like, if that's how they are, let them go. But if it's something that, you know, miscommunication or whatever, like take the time to communicate your emotions. They are worth their conversations worth having. Yeah. Because people cannot
1: read our minds. People cannot read our minds as much as we wish they could. And so the more you expect people to read your minds. And another way that I really changed this was that I started becoming the type of person that I would want to be around. And the more I was like, I want friends who are super loving and supportive and thoughtful. And so what do I do? I send my friends gifts when I can. I, on people's birthdays, if I can't be with them, I'll be like, Hey, like get a latte on me. Here's seven bucks. Like it is really the thoughtfulness, the little things of it, because I'm like, if I'm not that type of friend, how can I expect other people to be that type of friend to me? If I'm not setting the example first and foremost. Yeah. And I think that is also really applicable in romantic relationships. Like the more you become the type of person you would want to date, the easier it is to attract them into your life. Because it's like, if they're not holding the same standards you hold yourself to, then obviously
0: you're going to find better. Yeah. I I mean, one of the questions too, is like how to not be afraid to be your your authentic self. Mm -hmm. I think you need to realize, and this took me a really long time to realize, if you are your authentic self your most authentic self, exactly who you are, you will only attract people who like that version, who connect with that version, who feel a resemblance to that version. And you will repulse anybody that doesn't feel connected to that. And that might be a very hard truth because you'll be like, my friends don't like me. My friends think I'm too loud. That's because you're not supposed to be friends with them. They're not real friends. Yeah, that's a very hard truth. And it's not about you changing yourself. It's about you changing your friends. Mm-hmm. And I, I think a lot of people don't realize that. So that's why I'm not afraid to be my authentic self anymore, because I've been through all the shitty friendships, the shitty relationships, and I've seen how changing myself doesn't fix a situation. It really yeah. only makes it worse for myself because when somebody inevitably leaves, that was never supposed to be in your life. You feel like you've done yourself a disservice and you feel disappointed in yourself. Cause you like, it's not just about like them dumping you or whatever. It's about you having dumped yourself. You're like, mm-hmm. I don't wanna be with you. I don't wanna be this version of you. You left that authentic version of yourself in a corner and you were like, I'll come back to you later when it when I like you better, you know? And it, it, you yeah. need to realize that, that if that's who you are, that's who you need to be. And it, it's not like, obviously people change and people grow, but it's about growing with that version of yourself. Like I said, it's not about feeling bad for past mistakes, feeling bad about past versions of yourself. It's about growing with them. And it's about accepting everything you've been through because all of our experiences define who we are. Like Mm -hmm. it's just fundamental to who we are as human beings. Like the way we think and the way we behave and, and the way we express ourselves, it's all because of, Like I'm so good at conversation and like communication skills because I've been bullied so often. And I, I, I've had to guess what people think about me. And I, I've always, I'm always thinking about what other people think. And that has made me a very empathetic person through some very (laughs) shitty situations. And so I I think that's what a lot of people don't realize too, is somebody will see who you are at your very best online and be like, she must've always been like that. She must've always been this confident person. She must've always been so good at being exactly who she is. No, that's not the truth. That's not the mm-hmm. truth. And, you know, social media, like everybody always says, it's a highlight reel. Like, it really, like, I'm, I try very hard to be, you know, as vulnerable as I can. But if I'm having an anxiety attack, my first thought isn't going to be, let me record this. It's mm-hmm. going to be like, I need to be there for myself. I need to show it for myself in that moment. And I, I think about it as, like, I need to treat myself how I would my best friend. You yes. know, if I see myself in the mirror and, you know, if, if, if it was my best friend, I wouldn't be like, you're ugly. Like that dress looks terrible on you. It makes you look fat. Like I would never, ever, ever say that, you know? Right. And so I switched that. Like if you're dealing with confidence, that's the number one tip I can give you. Think of yourself as somebody else, you know? And every time you have a bad thought about yourself, be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I would never say that about somebody else. You know, like I would never call somebody else stupid. I would never call somebody else like all these things that I had called myself. And so once you switch that thinking, you start to realize that you can exist without having these negative thoughts about yourself. Like Mm -hmm. they are not part of your personality. And I I think so often we think like, that's just who I am. Like, I'm just an insecure person. That's wrong. That's wrong. You have insecure thoughts. That's who
1: you've chosen to be because you got so used to accepting your current thoughts. I think another thing that people don't realize is that we don't have to believe every thought we have. We have so many thoughts. Every thought we—no, we really should not. We have so many thoughts all day long, every single day. We have like ninety-five thousand thoughts. A lot of them are repetitive. So I think a lot of of them
0: aren't ours. I think that's also there's something to be said about that. Yes. When I was like, I've I've obviously been dumped before, and sometimes people will say things to you, and you're like, "Oh my god!" Like I'm a terrible person because like they'll be like, "You're a good person," but like whatever, and you carry that with you, and you're like, "Oh well." they didn't love me because I'm not good enough. right? And that's something that you internalize and you'll be on a a first date with somebody else. And you'll be like, oh, they must not like me because of this other reason that I have no idea what the reason is, right? Like I'm not, I don't even have a reason to think about, but I just, you feel it in your brain. Like there must be a reason why they didn't like me. There must be a reason why they didn't want to date me. There must be a reason why, like X and Y. And I think it isn't until you release that and be like, I literally don't even have a reason for why I'm thinking this and you just need to like let it go Mm -hmm. and sometimes it does help to like feel anger anger towards someone be like they're just a they're just a bad person but (laughs) you need to let that go like I you need to forgive and that's also a big thing but if you're in your healing journey sometimes it's good to be angry at the Mm -hmm. start but yeah I you just need to show up for yourself that's my biggest thing like I am who I am because I want to be who I am. Because, you know, if somebody falls in love with me, I want them to fall in love with me because I'm exactly who I am, not because I'm portraying somebody else, not because of who I've been constructed to be by all these bad experiences. I want someone to see that no matter what I've been through, like, I stayed myself. Mm-hmm. Like, I, yeah, I had to, I wasn't always myself. I had to rebuild to be who I am. And I had to kind of like, go and ask forgiveness almost. And, you know, you sit down and I'm a visual, I'm a very visual person. So I just like, imagine of like me having to go back to my past self and be like, I'm really sorry that I left you here. Like, I'm really yeah. sorry that I didn't appreciate you for who you were. And like I said, just imagine yourself as someone else and writing really helps. If you're a writer, that's like, I don't know if I could cons- I guess I should consider myself a writer. Cause I'm always writing, but i just write about those experiences and you know i'll write about conversations that i wish i had had i don't think a lot of people know this but i post a lot of poems but for every poem i post there's probably five that i don't post that i just right. very very serious i don't think i would ever like like maybe i'll post them eventually but you know you just I gotta don't post know. anything i write at yeah, all I'm, and, and, and so, i, will, I will write letters
1: to my past self and be like i'm so sorry for the way I talked to you, for the way I did this, for the way I handled this situation. Like we learned so much from it. I write letters to people who hurt me and I would say everything I wish I had said to them in person. And that really helps like release things. And I write letters to my future self. And I'm like, yeah, I Hey, like it's, it's really, really, really hard right now. And I just want you to know, like, I'm so grateful that you continued to show up and that you continued to push. And like, I, I know that like, when you're reading this in the future, we're going to be in such a better place because of the work I'm putting in right now. And that has a lot of value to it. Like reminding yourself of all of the good you're doing and all of the ways you're showing up for yourself, instead of letting yourself focus on the few things that went wrong or the few things that you're not doing well enough.
0: Yeah. And I think you know, if you're listening to this and you're like, well, I'm not a writer. Like I don't like journaling. Then my tip is to record little voice memos to yourself. Mm-hmm. And I do this all the time where I'll be like, dear Celia today. So, and so happened. Like I did one for graduation. And I was like, I graduate in a week and I'm freaking out. I have no idea what's going on with my life. I have no idea where I'm going to be. I have no idea what I'm doing with my gap year. Like, I don't feel like myself. Who the heck am I? Like, I just said all these things. And if you feel alone, if you feel lonely, it's so incredibly comforting to go back and hear your own voice, say these things to yourself. Cause I will, like you said, leave like nice messages and be like, I'm so proud of you. Like you're doing so well. And hearing that from your own voice is so comforting. Like it's one of the most comforting things. Cause it honestly does feel like a, a past or future. Like it is a passive version of you. Yeah, And you know, it's, that's, It really, really helps. Like if you're ever, if I'm very anxious, sometimes I'll just go back and listen to myself. And I don't mean that like a narcissistic, like I love my voice kind of way. It's just like, you need to be there for yourself. And I've had so many experiences where nobody else has been there for me. And I'm just like sitting there, like crying on my floor. And, you know, I consciously think to like grab my legs and hug myself and hold my hand. And I'm like, I, I need to be my own best friend. I need to be like the most special person in my life. And, you know, I think- That also, like one of the questions is like tips on being happy single. I'm happy single because I know that I'm my best friend. I know that I'm complete by myself. Like if I'm alone or not alone, it doesn't matter because I know that I'm okay. And, you know, it takes a really long time. And I always, whenever I go on TikTok lives, I always talk about this, but I think one of the biggest mistakes that people do is they get into relationships before they're emotionally mature enough to be in them. And that really, really affects you because- if you go into a relationship, not knowing your worth, you're going to accept what somebody else deems as you being worthy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the biggest, like, because there was like some, I think Ted talked about it, but somebody was talking about like, if you're only demanding like 10%, somebody's going to only give you that 10%, whereas mm-hmm. you could be getting that 100% from somebody else. And yeah. I think that's so important. And that was one of the mistakes that I fell into because obviously like, when you live like with people that have been through so much like trauma in their lives, they don't necessarily think to sit you down and be like, okay, this is how our relationship should be. Like, mm-hmm. we don't have that. If they benefit. don't even know how to do that for themselves. You know, like, yeah. uh, like
1: not nobody's parents relationships are perfect. Most of us probably have divorced parents. My parents do not speak. My parents have not spoken in multiple years. And I think that it's hard for you to teach something you don't even know yourself you know? And sometimes I have to be my mom's best friend and I have to show up for her and be like, mom, you don't reply to anyone on dating apps because you still are not emotionally available enough to date. You don't actually want to date anyone. You say you do, but then you don't show up in a way that shows that you do.
0: And so yeah. sometimes
1: like I have to give her the hard truths that I've learned on my own, you know?
0: Yeah. I, I mean, sometimes I think, Sometimes we feel so desperate to have someone else because we really crave that connection with ourselves. Yeah, and I I think that's what a lot of people don't realize. And you know, I didn't have my first relationship until I was eighteen, and and I think I really like jumped on the first one that I saw that it had potential because I just so desperately wanted to feel connected to myself, and I I wanted someone to love me because I knew I deserved to be loved. I I knew I deserved to be like wanted, and you know. I got into it and it was not a good situation for me. And I didn't feel that way. I didn't feel wanted. I didn't feel like I I didn't feel any better about myself. And you know, that's when you have to like stop and be single for a while and be like, I need, I can give myself what I need. And you know, after I went through my, my bad breakup, my senior year, I got into the habit of buying myself flowers every time I went to a grocery store. So I would go every like two weeks and I made it a point to buy myself flowers every single time I went and you know, people had bought me f- flowers in the past. It wasn't about like, oh, nobody has ever bought me flowers. Like I had been bought flowers, but I wanted to show myself that I could date myself, that I could mm-hmm. be my own person. If I was going to be in a relationship, it wasn't be- because of superficial things like they bought me flowers. Like they did the bare minimum today. Oh my God, they love me. Like, no, I was rewiring my brain and reteaching myself. Love goes so much further. Than the superficial, the superficial things that somebody does for you. And I I think that's one of the biggest things to learn. And you need to be single to learn it. Nobody else will teach you that. And Mm -hmm. like I said, you need to know your like everybody's worthy of love. Like nobody deserves to be in a bad situation. And I think so many of us stay in these really bad relationships until they almost break us. If not, break us completely. Yeah. And you come out of it and you're like, why did I stay for so long? Like, mm-hmm. why did I, I stay with someone that so clearly showed me that they were not my person? And that's why I write, that's why I write so much poetry because I want people to like hear this and to resonate with it. I mean, also like the confidence thing, also wanting to be on social is Again, we didn't see people that look like us blowing up on social media. One of the things that made me confident was I started to see people with my body type, people with my hair, and I remember thinking they're gorgeous, they're so beautiful. And then I turned it back, and I was like, so why don't I think I'm beautiful? Mm-hmm. You look like me. That was the biggest thing that I was like. It was super eye opening because I get that that comment all the time in my videos now. It's like, you look like me, and I think you're beautiful. And you know, I like see it click in their brains, and it, it's just so wonderful. And that's the biggest thing is, please, 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 I'm gonna like clap into the mic. Like, please unfollow people that make you feel insecure and start yes. following people that look like you be- that's the biggest thing if you follow people that look like you you will get more confident because like I said you're never going to see someone else and be like oh she looks terrible you know like you would never have that thought if you're a good person I would hope you would, wouldn't have that thought and <laughs> so once you start doing that you get into that habit of recognizing your own beauty mm-hmm. and seeing it in yourself and that will help you be more confident absolutely And I I think
1: there's so much to be said about unfollowing people that don't make you feel good about yourself. Like sometimes I think to myself like, oh, like what if this did annoy like the people that follow me? And then I think to myself, I, I don't want them to follow me if they find it annoying. Like I, if, if it pushes them to unfollow me, then it's a blessing in disguise because I don't yeah, want people. I've told you this before. Yeah. I don't want people that are sending me negative energy to be watching my stuff. And just like that evil eye, like I literally have an evil eye emoji in my TikTok bio because I was so scared of making that, yeah. my profile and every person that unfollows you is just as important as the people that do follow you because you're weeding out people that don't, agree with like your authentic self and the like the creativity that you bring to social media
0: exactly exactly and you also have to think you don't owe anybody anything like no if you've been posting something and you suddenly want to post something else go it's literally your like I think of my social media as a room that I inhabit as a room that I decorate it's my house I can do whatever I want with it like Mm -hmm. if you come in to visit that's your decision that's your decision making if you like it great stick around like let's hang out let's have a cup of coffee if you don't like it there's a door I literally don't care unfollow me like please unfollow me if I'm not adding anything to your life don't follow me like, yeah there's no point like I'm not here to try to gain like a massive following I'm here to be exactly who I am and for people to resonate with it and to stay if they resonate with it and exactly. I think that's such a big problem that all these people put up these fake personas to try to get a very large following very fast and they burn out and you see it and you see like when all these fake things start to come to light and you're like oh my god they're not who I thought I was yeah and like I never want that like I want to be exactly who I am because that's it's literally who I am like I, I can't be anybody else I also need to respect myself enough to show up exactly as who I am
1: yeah. Because if, and if love your self, yourself enough to yeah. show that version of you. Because also think about it like in a friendship or in a relationship, like, oh, if you're acting a certain way when you first meet them and you're all timid and you're quiet and mysterious. And then you realize like later on, like you're dating this person and you realize that like you're putting up this fake persona for them every time you hang out with them. That's you can't keep that up. Why would you yeah. want to date someone that you can't actually be yourself around? If I can't be weird around my next boyfriend, like I don't want him. Yeah, I,
0: exactly. Exactly. I'm, that, that's what motivates me to just, like, I always just want to show up as myself for myself. I want to, I want to show my inner child, my inner me, like my future me, my past me, that I appreciate her, that I respect her, that I'm happy to be her, that I love to be her. And if I'm not showing up as myself, that's a big middle finger to them. Cause I'm like, I don't want to be you. I want to be somewhere right. else. And I, I don't, I don't want to do that. Like, <laughs> I want to love every version of me. And you know, I, I think that is why so many people feel connected to what I post sometimes. Cause they see that shining through. They see that I'm trying to be exactly who I am. And it, it's, it's not about the camera. It's not about, you know, like trying to impress someone else. It's about trying to impress myself. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I feel like I do do that. And that's why I feel like so comfortable being myself. But again, like I still have anxiety. I still feel like a little bit weird. whenever I post, I'm like, Oh, like, I don't know. Like, what if, yeah cause you never know how something you post is going to be taken. So you're like, I never want it to be taken out of context or to feel like I don't want it to make someone feel bad, but sometimes it is important to like post those poems where I'm like calling out people for their toxic behavior. And you know, mm-hmm. like some sometimes you got to do it because People don't realize what they're doing sometimes. And, you know, right. I have the, the benefit of the doubt with a lot of people, which has gotten me in trouble a lot of the time because they shouldn't have the benefit of the doubt. But sometimes you just got to make the hard decisions, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. You really, you have to start learning to
1: take people for their actions rather than their words. Because someone can say like, oh, I'm so supportive, but are they, are they actually liking your stuff? Are they actually commenting? Like someone says, I'm your friend, write down what you think a friend means to you. And if they're not showing up in a way that you think a friend should, then goodbye. They should be like your, your number one cheerleader. Like the way I see my friends is like everything they do, everything they post is the most precious, beautiful gift to this world. And that's how it should be. And that's, those are the types of friends that I want. So that's how I choose to show up for my other friends. And I think it's also important to highlight what you said about how you still get a little anxious when you post. And like, I do too. I think people think that it's just somehow easier for us or we're just like naturals at it. And it's, it's not true at all. It's about facing the fear and showing up anyway, because we know that the reward of having someone feel seen or feel understood is worth so much more than the little bit of anxiety or discomfort it takes us to post. And it's also so funny because my most listened to podcast episode by far, like, three times more listens than any other episode I have is my episode called like learning how to be your own light, like getting over heartbreak that this one girl asked me to make. And I was so nervous posting it, like shaking, like for the next hour, I was like, was this a bad idea? And I, I recorded this all, like all of this advice over like getting over heartbreak and like how to like find yourself. I recorded this all while I was in a relationship with someone I thought I really, really loved. And when we broke up this summer, it was so hard on me. And I went back to that episode and I laid in bed and I cried and I listened to myself and I listened to all of the advice. It was so weird. It was like the universe had given me this gift of forcing me to say all of the things I needed to hear. And so it's, it's like a 40 minute long episode. I laid in my bed, cried and listened to the whole thing. And all of these like tips I had written for someone else suddenly were like exactly what I needed to get back to myself again. Exactly. That, that's why I'm, I was
0: saying the thing about like voice recordings. The voice memos. Yeah. Sometimes the only person that can help you is yourself and everything happens for a reason. Everything always like I'm one of those people that so firmly believes that like when I was in my last relationship and we were going through some really, really tough times and I'm a very, like I said, I'm good at communication. So I was telling this person, I was like, Hey, things aren't going well. If things stay not going well, we should break up. I'm not breaking up with you now, but. I'm just saying, this is something that I don't want to continue if we go down this way. You know, and then they were like, no, I'll get better, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Shakes head ferociously. People don't change. People don't change. As much as they say, they will. You know, and it's sometimes like- some people shouldn't change. Like some, just because I'm not meant to be together. Yeah. yeah, Like I don't want to ever like bash one of my exes and be like, they're a terrible person because I I think they believe they made the right decisions for themselves at the time. And you know, I need to respect that because like Mm -hmm. I, I said, sometimes you need to make those decisions for yourself. I remember going through the, right after this conversation, I went and I sat outside by myself and I prayed and I was like, you know, Dios, like, if this is not the man I'm going to marry, let us break up. I respect your decision. And then like a month or two later, like we broke up out of nowhere and because things had gotten better and then, you know, whatever. And we broke up out of nowhere. And I couldn't even be mad at that point because I was like, I asked for it. I really I was like, I asked for it. And mm-hmm. you know, like, obviously part of me was still mad because, you know, when someone sends you an email, that's like, hey, uh, I don't want to be with you anymore.
1: You're like, ah. <laughs> but, <laughs> Rejection is painful, but it, it really is for the best. And I think you and I are the types of such unconditionally loving people that like we oh, yeah. wouldn't stand up and do it ourselves. And and there have been situations where it was just God did me such a favor by taking them out of my life because I didn't have the balls to do it myself. And they needed yeah. to be out of my life. I really believe in the phrase things happen for you, not to you. Yeah, Everything I, is always happening
0: for us. I think there was also a quote, you might have actually posted this on your podcast Instagram, but it was like, rejection is redirection or something you know that's like, like that that's like the name of one of my episodes I'm so yeah, honored it, you remembered that I I think that was once you look at it that way you realize mm-hmm. that everything there's a quote that's like what is for me will never pass me by or something like yeah. that and I I think that's that's the biggest thing like yeah it could be sad that I'm single right now but I also know that like I'm single for a reason and I I think I'm single because I I do have all these poems that I need to like pour out and I I think we're meant to be certain ways to help like certain messages come across. And and I honestly don't know if I would be able to post everything that I'm posting right now and to have the time to post it. If I was like in a committed relationship mm-hmm. and I think being single and also like not being in school anymore, knowing that I can post whatever I want and not have to go to class and see somebody that might judge me. That has helped me tremendously because I'm like, I can post whatever I want and I don't care. Like I honestly don't care. And it's such a fun feeling. So That's also something to be said, that sometimes you will feel more insecurity if you're posting and feeling confident when you are going to school and you are seeing people in classes. I'm telling you, it will change your life. But if you do need, like I decided to wait to do social media until after graduation, because I knew I I wouldn't have enough confidence to until I was out of certain toxic situations and certain toxic environments. And, you know, if you make that decision for yourself, then do what's best for you. But I do wish that I had had more confidence and like, I wish that I was my version now who I am now in college, but because I would have been unstoppable, but I think that I needed to go through certain things and experience certain things and certain like failed relationships and certain failed friendships to get to where I am. So I, I can't be like, I regret it because it built me and it changed me and it made me who I am. So like I said, I appreciate everything that has come before it because I know it will get me to who I am. That was so perfectly said.
1: Yeah. Like we, we are our experiences. I think the last really big piece of advice that changed the way I viewed being single was the fact that it is such a privilege and like an honor to have this time and space to be with ourselves right now. I, I think the quote was let me sit and be with this version of myself because i know i will never have her again yes, and that exactly, was exactly so beautiful to me i was just like like think about it the second you meet like your person and like you're like oh like i could marry them blah 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 you are with that person for the rest of your life you never have that time and space to live alone if you have the opportunity to live alone or to spend all of your free time alone and with yourself and getting to know yourself and the relationship you have with yourself is the most relation- important relationship you will ever have so you'd better yeah. make sure that it's strong, that it's a good foundation because then whatever you build on top of it will be so much better. And your relationship with other people are, is always reflected in the relationship you have with yourself. So yeah,
0: I, also, I loved all of this. There's, a, I just want to say this one last thing because we like, we've gone over time. But, <laughs> we've been going over um, for two hours. <laughs> I know, wait, there's this quote I saw <laughs> that said that your capacity to love is your capacity to be alone. And I think about that a lot whenever I'm like, wow. why am I single? And I, I think that's the, the biggest thing. Like if you can love yourself and you can still feel like a complete person by yourself, then think about what a absolute great partner you're gonna be. Because yeah. you you know that you won't lose yourself in someone because you you've already found yourself. And I, I think about that a lot. And that wow. that quote Yeah. So when like one of my friends is going through a breakup and I sent him that quote and cause he was really sad about it. And I was like, Hey, this is where you're supposed to be right now. Mm-hmm. Like you can be sad about it or you can accept it and realize that all of this is healing you in a way that you still don't understand. Because sometimes you won't understand why things happen to you until years after they happen. And sometimes
1: and- you might never understand it. And it just is what it is. Yeah. And I think that's also something we just like have to learn to accept with time. But I was a serial monogamist for like like I was in relationships, like one after the other, not even intentionally. It wasn't like they would overlap, but it was just like, as soon as I would sing, I was single, people would be like, oh, this is my opportunity to date her. Cause she's never single. And I came to the point Damn, where I realized, no. no, 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 not in a cocky way. Not in a cocky way. No, no, no,
0: no, no. I'm glad you said that. I love the confidence.
1: No. Um, I, I think people view me much more idealistically than I view myself, but, um, I, but I also know I am a really great girlfriend and partner. Uh, Okay. Long story short. I realized that the reason I was in relationships for so much time was because I hated being alone. Like I couldn't be by myself. And so I always had someone to do everything with and hang out with all the time. And like, it finally got to the point where I was just like, I need to learn how to enjoy my own company. And that's when I like flipped the whole thing around. And I was like, I need to learn how to love myself. And I know that I'm not the only one that feels this way. And that's why I need to be vocal about it as uncomfortable and scary and difficult as that can be. I I know that this has impacted people in more ways than, than I realize, So that makes it all worth it. Obviously with all of your poetry too, where can everyone find you Celia? Because I'm sure it's, it's been so many hours since we... We could
0: talk literally forever. Oh my God. We'll we have could. more episodes if people want them. Yeah, hopefully people like this episode. I, I think we've touched on some really great points and hopefully we answered as many questions as we could. But if you want to find me on social media, I'm on Instagram at the aselia, which is T-I-A-C-E-L-I-A-A-A, three A's. And then on TikTok at Powerhouse of the Cell with one L on the cell um, because the story of that username... I have a biology degree and my name is Celia. So powerhouse of the Zello because of the mitochondria. And it also makes me feel like a powerful chingona woman. So I Which you are.
1: You absolutely are. I'm so honored to have had you on. I'm so excited to share this episode with everyone. I know they learn so much from you. I know I learned so much from you and I do every single time we talk and I love you Aww. for it. And you are truly like the baby sister I always wanted in Aww. our little oh first goodness. gen medicine
0: adventures. <laughs> I know. I... I really hope that people feel like connected okay. to this episode. Actually,
1: actually, if if you appreciated this episode, please, please share it with someone that you think could benefit from it. Because I think that the best thing we can do is like send things to people we think will help them because like yeah. our goal is to help as many people as possible. And if you want to message us and let us know that you liked it, that would probably raise our self-esteem and- Be emotionally rewarding that we sat down and took the time to do this and someone listened. Yeah. So if you repost it to your Instagram stories, tag us so you can make us smile.
0: It will make a smile. Sometimes it even makes me cry because I'm like, oh my god, people like what I had to say.
1: Literal tears in my eyes
0: whenever people reshare my stuff. Yeah, it is scary to do this. So please tell us that you know it it was nice to hear and that it was worth. Maybe you learned something. I hope we didn't waste your time by listening to this whole episode. I don't think I don't think
1: it's ever a waste of time I've listened to podcast episodes that were a waste of time and this was not one of them that's true
0: I feel I feel confident that we we had a great conversation I feel enlightened (laughs) I do too